Welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the STR Data Lab. I'm Jamie Lane, Chief Economist at AirDNA, and I'm here today with a wonderful guest, the maybe the wonder from down under, the <laughs> author of a Million Dollar Host, co-author of Hospitable Hosts, uh, Julie George. Julie, thank you so much for joining. The wonder from down under. Well, it's better than the thunder from down under because I think that's taken in Las Vegas. So, um, <laughs> Amy, great to be in touch with you. And what a fantastic excuse just to, to get on and have a chat to you uh, via video link. You're in Atlanta. I'm in Brisbane, Australia. I'm a day ahead of you. I can see the future. The uh, future is bright. The future is bright. That's I mean, true economist speak right there. Uh <laughs> The glass is always half full, especially when you're you're near a day ahead. Love it. So, Julie, I, I know probably many of our listeners know who you are. They've seen you at conferences around the world. I know I've seen you at mm. multiple conferences uh, around the world. It just seems like you're everywhere and nowhere all at all at once. No <laughs> wonder I even have a house, right? Which I'm sitting in at the moment, but it's unusual. It's a lovely place to visit Australia uh, occasionally. So when when you're in Australia, do you consider it visiting or being back at home? <laughs> it's really strange, Jamie. The first few days being home, of course, I'm jet lagged because wherever you're flying from Australia, it's, you know, it's a, a good 14 hour flight to get to the US or across to the UK where I caught up with you earlier this year, it was 24 hours. So the first few hours of being, or first few days of being home, I'm jet lagged, I'm using the washing machine and I am lying on my couch watching Netflix uh, <laughs> mostly. Uh, but then um, look, it's just, I guess it's a really good opportunity to get, do my one-on-one -on -one coaching with people and get stuck into doing some podcasts and and actually do some work. Um, it's very rare that I do work these days, but when I do, it's yeah, get stuck in. So I'm here now for, until early 2024, and then I'll start that circuit again of America, uh, UK, uh, yeah, getting around to as many places as possible. So tough life. So now I think you're best known as an author and public mm. speaker, Correct. but can we consider it a prior life that you were a vacation rental manager? Uh, exactly. So it's actually, you know, I can't believe how fast it's gone, but 2019 was when I sold my portfolio. I, I ended up getting to 130 properties here in Australia of property management um, <laughs> properties in Cairns, Queensland, North Australia, and then sold in 2019, just a few months prior to covid so look, if I, you know, I joke about seeing the future, but that was so lucky that I managed to exit at that time. But I exited primarily because Million Dollar Host had found um, a really great target market worldwide of hosts that just needed some inspiration. They needed, you know, some direction on where they were going. And so I, I was selling the business to basically uh, get into that education space and really mentor others. But uh, yes, I am a former property management um, owner, but like all short-term rental operators, I the, the bug bites pretty hard. The addiction is real. And of course, I'm now running properties again here in Australia. So um, can't get away from it. <laughs> so I would think, though, if you were a maybe you're in the U.S., you would have been sad that you sold, given the sort of boom that happened in 
short-term rentals and afterwards. How did it sort of play out differently in Australia? Well, unfortunately, during COVID, we completely shut down. Now, you probably heard lots of false media reports about what got ha- what happened here in Australia during COVID, but it was really strict. So we didn't have, unfortunately, the short-term rental industry was hit very hard and the new owners of my property portfolio, they went from 130 properties to 80 properties within the first six months of COVID. So unfortunately, a lot of properties fell off the market. Now it's bounced back in Australia, but it hasn't bounced back completely. In the area that I had by 130 properties, we were really reliant on the Chinese tourism and that market has not rebounded. Uh, and so unfortunately, the short-term rental market is not as buoyant as it was prior to COVID. Um, so for me, I'm actually quite okay with the fact that I've sold and and now I'm in the education space because I can teach people how to, I guess, ride those waves, uh, be able to be flexible, be able to pivot when you need to. And yeah, I get and I get to work with people not only in Australia, but mostly North America. So mostly in your neck of the woods is uh, where all my client, clients are based. And, and sometimes it just takes a little bit of luck to really make it too, right? It does. Yeah, it does <laughs> indeed. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so maybe we can rewind back to the beginning a bit in terms of and when you started your business and it, it sounds like you were very intentional about maybe what you're intentional about what you're doing and where you were adding your listings. Mm. That's a question we get a lot is if I'm going to start, where should I start? Can you take us back to 2016 and like, why did you choose where you chose? So 2016, I started in Cairns, North Queensland, where if any of you, and I know you've got children because I can see your whiteboard in the background, unless that's your, <laughs> your you know, self-portrait there, Jamie, uh, you know, the hair looks good and um, needs some eyes and nose. But children, if you have kids and, you know, Nemo, uh, the movie, the Great yeah. Barrier Reef, that's where I was. And I had properties that I had long-term tenants in, fully furnished properties, Now, one of those became available in 2016 and I thought, I wonder what all the fuss is about with Airbnb. Like what is all this hoo-ha about? So let's put some uh, linen in, turn the Wi-Fi on and put it on short-term rentals. I quickly discovered that the magic of short-term rentals and Airbnb. So I then thought, (laughs) so my wild dreams then took me to, okay, well, I'm going to have a short-term rental all over Australia. I'm going to manage these properties everywhere. And that was the initial thought. I then realized how much was in my own backyard, how much potential was in my own backyard, literally. So within a 50-mile radius was where I then decided to put all my efforts, put all my focus and build my portfolio just in an area that I could actually drive to, I could actually be in control of. You know, there it's definitely something that people can do with the remote hosting. Mm-hmm. The control freak here uh, just decided that no, I need to be able to get to a property if there's something wrong or if something needs to be fixed. I want to be there. So, so 130 properties later, I then had not really reached out further afield, although it is possible. So, I guess it's an interesting. It's one of the the very first things that I will talk to a new host about is. You go. I would always recommend that they start close to home, but mm-hmm. then 
look at locations that you want to vacation in yourself and, of course, do your data analysis, um, <laughs> which I guess, you know, a lot of people maybe don't delve into, but you really do need to to find to know your numbers before you then go and set up shop somewhere else. Yeah. So I mean, you said you were a control freak, but I can't imagine being a control freak with 130 properties because oh. things just sort of would spiral out of control. Yeah. Like I assume you had to give up control at some point, right? <laughs> well, so the way that I structured my business was really unique. It was a business structure that it was like a franchise model. And so underneath my, the umbrella that I was operating, I had co-hosts that were looking after geographical locations mm -hmm. um, of properties. And they might have 10 properties in the beach uh, that they lived in, in the beachside suburb, and they were in charge of those. Now, the beauty of that is by giving, empowering those co-hosts to have the ownership of the management of those properties, I was giving them all the tools, I was setting the standards and I was I had some pretty strict key performance indi indicators to make sure that they were doing the right thing. Yeah. But by sharing that love and being able to strategize to be able to um, give them a portfolio of properties, I could sort of sit back. Well, here's the theory. I should be able to sit back and relax and not have to worry. But I always had the at the back of my mind with 130 properties, I think on average, and you'll love these stats, is on average I had 450 guests per night staying in Julie's home. So one of Julie's homes. So on Airbnb, it was ridiculous. You scroll through the Airbnb listings in my city, half of them were mine. Well, actually, that's a bit <laughs> of an exaggeration, but it was like, Julie's either extremely yeah. rich, or uh, which I wasn't, um, or you know she's con yeah, she's taking over all these properties in management style. Which, um, but I was very lucky. The structure that I put in place, the team I put in place, and the processes. Now that's the other thing that if you're listening in, folks, if you've just started in this business and you've got this grand ambition to scale your business, you need to make sure your framework is solid, your processes are solid. You've got a great team in, in place uh, and realise that you need to delegate and trust in others and empower your team to be able to run the business uh, with you and work on the business, not in it. Well, you, you were speaking my love language when you were starting to talk about KPIs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> So do, do you remember what any of those KPIs were that you were sort of holding your co-host to? Absolutely. So it was reviews uh, were number one. So we we it was just a matter of monitoring the reviews and looking at the reviews that it needed to be 4.8 or more. No problem. We'd have no issues. If it was less than that, we would then look into it even deeper. And if it was a cleaning issue, we would go out and retrain on cleaning. If it was a communications issue, we would look at the communications. So we would actually break it down but it was that was one of the KPIs. Another thing we would do is we would, um, well, we would do spot checks occasionally to make sure that they were working well. But but we'd also, sorry, on the communication side of things, we would have a time frame on that as well. So we would actually want messages responded to within a certain time frame. And I think we had like a fifteen minute time frame to respond to a message. So it was. I mean, I'm, that would change now, I would think. And you've got automated messages which can just bounce back. But yeah. <laughs> 2016, we were doing it very much manually. And I'm going to wig you out in a minute if we talk software and what I was using in 
the 130 properties, but uh, yeah, it was very basic. So keep it simple, stupid was my whole philosophy back then. Yeah, no, and I hear that from a lot of people, like PMSs scare them and they're getting all their bookings from Airbnb. So why, why do you need to complicate it? Now, if I've got Mark Simpson in my ear telling me that if I'm getting all my bookings from Airbnb, then I work for Brian Chesky and, and not for myself. In that case, I say, thank you, Brian. And uh, <laughs> you know, Mark Simpson and I always have a bit of banter going on. And I joke that AirDNA, oh, sorry, Airbnb, God, AirDNA has been good to me too, but Airbnb, <laughs> I'm sorry, I should, Airbnb were going to give me a, a logo, a, a tattoo that I was going to tattoo on my forehead because I love Chesky so much. Um, if Chesky didn't love his dog so much, I might have a chance of getting in with him. But but I I think that that position's been taken by a beautiful golden retriever. So um, look, AirDNA, I love you guys so much as well. That uh, and you were crucial in starting my business. But I think right at the beginning, and well, for three years, I ran 130 properties with no PMS. Mm-hmm. With no, like a lot of software I didn't need because I was getting all my bookings through Airbnb and then, of course, retargeting and getting some direct bookings. But I wasn't to the level that, that Boostly or Mark Simpson might push. But but they're amazing. So uh, for anybody who's listening, love you, Mark. <laughs> yeah, they are. So I think one of the things I when talking with new hosts is a lot of them can get bogged down with, I need to set my tech stack from the beginning. When you think back to growing the business, like, can you give an example of one or two things that you're really glad you did at the beginning? And then one or two things that you really wish you would have done? (laughs) Wow. This could be good. Okay. So (laughs) my, one of my favorite phases, phrases for a host is automate, don't complicate, because Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of shiny objects out there at the moment. And you just need to walk into an exhibitor hall of a con- conference or a, an event in the short-term rental space at the moment, and you will be overwhelmed with the amount of tech and data and things that are coming at you. You don't need it. You don't need a lot of them. Um, mm-hmm. And sorry to all of my tech buddies out there, but you know I pick and choose very carefully what I do use. And I think that you can be overwhelmed by the data, but also the um, the cost of it. Who's got that money to start off a business and be able to put money into all these different technologies? So anyway, that's my controversial point. But when I first started, Jamie, real easy. Uh, it was Airbnb. It was AirDNA. So I'm going to give you kudos and not because AirDNA, this is your AirDNA show, but AirDNA was absolutely crucial to helping me put together the competitive market analysis or appraisals, as we would say. And that I had to be able to get the data correct to be able to then go and get the new listings on board. I also relied a lot on that for pricing. And now one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't use a dynamic pricing tool when I was running my business. And Mm -hmm. I often tell this story, you'll hear me, like I still lose sleep about this, the idea that I did not use a an expert in that field. I guessed my prices, but I guessed them from using AirDNA and Airbnb. And I was like, well, I know the prices. I'm okay. I'll just set them because what would somebody in India know or the Americas know about what I'm doing in Australia? I'm an idiot. And I'm here to tell you that if you're listening right now, do not be a Julie George. Do not guess your prices. I calculate I now use a dynamic pricing tool and I calculate that I lost 10 to 12% of my overall income 
by not using dynamic pricing. I brought in over $8 million in income on Airbnb in less than three years. If anybody out there has got a calculator brain, you will work out that 10 to 12%, it's close to a million dollars in lost earnings because this little black duck did not use dynamic pricing. So biggest regret, not using dynamic pricing. Best thing I used was I would say just 100% Airbnb was probably the best platform that I was able to get onto and use. And then of course, yeah, AirDNA. But other than that, I had zero, zero for accounting and I used a trust accounting software for my real estate things. That's it. That's all I used. So I've got a stat to blow your mind. Okay. Uh, so we've been dabbling in all this dynamic pricing stuff. And one thing we wanted to get a sense of is are people actually using dynamic pricing software? So we want to get a sense of like, are how much do people vary their price over time? And something that just blew my mind was when we looked at how many prices, let's say on their calendar over the next 365 days, do people have in their calendar? One fourth of listings have a single price over the next 365 days. They don't what? vary their price at all. No way. And then half of listings have just four or fewer prices. So maybe they've got a high season, a low season, and maybe a weekday weekend price. Oh, okay. Public service announcement. Folks, if you're listening right now, what the hell are you doing? If this is you, if there's a quarter of you out there with one price for the whole year, you're making a big mistake, folks. You are leaving money on the table. Holy crap, that that gives me chills, Jamie. I, can you believe those figures? Like that is just absolutely nuts. So I mean, it is something you actually hear Brian at Airbnb talking about a lot. And I follow LinkedIn a lot, Twitter. And when Brian talks about how hosts need to do a better job of managing their rates, I imagine that he's looking at those exact same stats. And then a lot of property managers get angry that I mean, he's telling them to that they need to do a better job pricing or they need to lower the rates. Like uh -huh. I get a sense that he's not talking to those property managers. He's talking to those, those operators, those hosts that have a single rate, have two or three rates throughout the entire year and aren't sort of managing the rates to drive revenue and profit. Well, I think he might be just not great at conveying the message properly because yes, he does upset a few people, but if we were directing our message, like, I mean, the two of us like talking about that now, I would be saying to those people, if you have one rate throughout the whole year, you are leaving money on the table, you are not recognizing your own value and you're missing out on lost opportunity. I just think it's please, please, please do yourselves a favor, engage a dynamic pricing tool. And there are many, including, I believe, um, maybe a new one coming out uh, with our favorite data tool of AirDNA. But folks, I don't care who you use. There's Beyond, there's Wheelhouse, there's Price Labs, uh, AirDNA. Please seek expert advice when it comes to pricing. Because, you know, I'll give you a good example. I'm using it here in one of my properties in Brisbane, Australia. A few weeks ago, there was an incredible nightly rate on a Saturday night. And I had no clue why it was so, it was up at, it was double the normal price. Mm -hmm. And what it turned out to be was it was a graduation for a university 
that was close by, all of the accommodation in the local area was taken up. Of course, that boosted my rate. I would never have known that at all until I did some digging, but I wasn't looking to for the universities when they're all holding their graduations, but my dynamic pricing gurus knew. And so in one night, I've paid off for my whole yearly's dynamic pricing subscription by you just having it on for that one night. So folks, do yourself a favor, consult the experts. <laughs> do not think that you know better than them. Just humor me. And then you can send me a message and go, oh my God, Julie, you were right. Uh, Jamie, thank you for that data. Julie, thank you for that kick up the bum. Uh, but please do yourself a favor. I think that's uh, a great PSA for the industry in terms of uh, dynamic pricing. The other sort of thing that I had put a pin in on sort of talking about co-hosting is that's, I think, one of the more popular terms to talk about now. And there's, I think, the traditional vacation rental managers that I'm, have been around operating in their markets for for years, decades. And a lot of the talk about now is sort of new, uh, starting co-hosting businesses, getting going. And so when you talk about co-hosts, and maybe the other question is, why didn't your co-hosts just like go off on their own and- Do it themselves? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you would think that they would, right? But not everybody has that entrepreneurial mindset. So there's a lot of budding entrepreneurs really looking for a business opportunity. Mm-hmm. They just don't know where to look, where to start putting it together. And they're not, they don't necessarily have that risk ability. Risk to tolerance, jump in. yeah. Yeah, risk tolerance. So it's it's quite amazing. So when I first started with co-hosts and I started putting these little franchise options together, I had that same thought. I thought, my gosh, what is stopping these people from either coming up with this idea themselves, taking my idea and running and doing it themselves. But I put some pretty tight contracts in place that said no non-compete but also I think that a lot of people really do need their hand held initially and that's where I wrote the book and now I'm co um, I'm coaching people to say folks you can do it you can start off as a co-host without any money you can start off uh, without having any experience but you need to do a, these few things so and just giving them some guidance I love it when new people come into our industry because I can see that it's going to change their lives. One of my favorite my favorite clients to coach, and I don't know why, but it's school teachers. I have got two school teachers, one that I'm working with here in Australia in um, New South Wales and one in Queensland who coincidentally came to me about three years ago and said, Julie, I want to do what you're doing, but I'm a school teacher. And I yeah. said, just do this, 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 and this. Now, both of those people, those school teachers are running multi-million dollar property management companies and I'm just so proud of them. So it's um, it's exciting to see not only their lives change, but then they start employing people in their community. They start impacting the economy in their community uh, and it's a flow on effect. So it's, it's bloody awesome. So if you're new out there, if you're being inspired to get into the short-term rental industry, it is possible. It's possible to make your life change and to get out of your job uh, your W-2 really quickly with the right assistance, but you can even fast track that if you've got a coach or a mentor or somebody to help you. Yeah. So you have obviously been traveling all around the world, talking with lots of hosts. You've got your coaching business. 
So how are you hearing that this sort of business is changing since you were in it? Like, I'm sure Yay. 2019, we've had a global pandemic. We've had travel stop. We've had a restart. We've had massive amounts of supply come into the industry. There's now over 7 million listings on Airbnb. What What are you hearing in terms of like how the industry is changing and, and how are you seeing people adapt? You know what? I, I think the biggest thing I've seen in the last 12 months is the pivoting towards midterm rentals mm -hmm. and also boutique hotels probably those two those two ideas have really come into the short-term rental space in that I think what we've got to realize is that you know the world is a little bit of a oh, it's like a roller coaster at the moment we've got wars we've got pandemics we've got uncertainty out there and there's a lot of nervous uh, hosts who mm -hmm. are just worried that their bookings, you know, the calendar might not be full for the next couple of months. So they're looking at other options and they're looking outside outside of short-term rentals. So mid-term rentals where your stays are maybe a couple of months or longer. Mm -hmm. Now, typically people think travelling nurses, but insurance companies looking to house, rehouse uh, displaced families or people that are maybe travelling to relocate to an area but they can't move into their home for a few months so there's a few different markets there that I, i'm seeing people target now and really do a great job of of looking after them um so pivoting to that but that boutique hotel um that's been a really massive uh trend into 2023 where people are now looking to take their short-term rental concepts and ideas into a, a building and mm -hmm. run a short-term rental hotel as such. So they're probably the two, oh yeah, they, they would be the main um, trends that I've seen this year, but it's, um, yeah, it's really interesting and, and a little bit different. Whereas for me, it was all 100% Airbnb. I didn't think much of the other platforms, the booking platforms, sorry, booking.com and Verbo and uh, all the others. I just really love the reciprocal reviews of Airbnb. I love the host guarantee. I just, there's so much about Airbnb that I love that, yes, it's, um, but I think now if I was to do everything again and start fresh, I would suggest to people, look at other options. Who are your target markets? Now, another one that I really like, but I haven't seen a lot of people jump on board. So here's a little hint for those who, well, especially in Australia, is the disability market and the government who is funding for care, like giving funding for people with carers to come and stay in accommodation, but it has to be accommodation, um, accessible accommodation. So it may, it doesn't necessarily have to be wheelchair friendly, but it certainly needs to be somewhere that people can stay for a few weeks at a time. They can come and stay with their carer, uh, but the governments in Australia especially are paying big, big dollars through a, a scheme called the National Disability Insurance Scheme, NDIS. In the United States, I know that there are similar schemes where people will be funded, like there's funding available. So folks, have a look at some of those things as well, because I think that's my prediction for 2024, is that we need to start looking at yeah, other income streams for our properties. Yeah. I'm Something that I've always loved is Look at the ways that Airbnb's making property searchable in new ways. And one is accessibility. Yeah. Other is long-term rentals. Yeah. Uh, and then 
it's yeah, a pet friendly, you know, pet like friendly and all the categories like yeah. Airbnb is still the spot where people are booking and there's going to be 113 million nights booked in just the fourth quarter of loan. There's it's just there's nuts. It's unbelievable. And 20% of those nights are going to be for 30 days or longer. So the amount of demand for both short-term and midterm stays and those that thought maybe midterm was just centered around the pandemic and the flexibility that people had, it's being proved that this is something that's here to stay. Absolutely. I think the one thing I'm also seeing this past 12 months is a lot more nomadic travelers, including myself. You know, we mm-hmm. talk about the fact that I've been traveling all around the world. Well, I make sure that I stay in a short-term rental because I need a washing machine. Actually, hosts, if you're going to advertise to Julie George, don't worry about a pretty picture of a view or a uh, hot tub on your main photo. Put in a washing machine and I will come and stay at your place. Um, I just need a washing machine. I need good Wi-Fi, a washing machine and a bed and I'll come and stay there for weeks at a time. But but isn't that interesting? And Jamie, you make a really good point. Airbnb is still the marketing guru. It is the monster marketing machine that I think we all need to still respect and appreciate that they've changed our lives. Like they've given us this new opportunity because they can reach so many guests and travelers, get on board, you know, and really as property managers, we should be just worried about then finding more listings, but let these monster marketing machines do their thing and, but stay in touch. You know, I see that they've just rolled out some more updates. Make sure you're up to date with what they're doing and, you know, that, uh, you know, finally they're allowing like co-hosts, you can, pay a cleaning fee to a co-host now, which you never were able to do for many, many years, that would have been a game changer in my business. So yeah, yeah it's cool. So one of the other questions I have for you, and I, I meant to ask it to you pre-turning uh, on. So oh, Good. Uh, this could be interesting. <laughs> interested to hear your response. This is going to be my first trip to Nashville for the STR Wealth Conference this year, where AirDNA is sponsoring. We're going to have some big announcements at the conference for a uh, new functionality. Uh, but I'm a little scared. Uh, it be. I, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. Can, can you give me a sense of what I, what I should expect? Now, didn't, weren't you just at Darm in Nashville? So you do, you have been to Nashville and Broadway. Did you go to the Broadway pubs? Yeah. I'm the, I spent 10 years in the hotel industry before coming to short-term rentals. And the hotel data conference was in Nashville every year. So I've been to Nashville more times than I can remember. Um, So it's not (laughs) Nashville. It's not Nashville and Broadway that you're scared of. No, uh, it's you're concerned about. It's the actual conference. Yeah. Okay, folks, if you are looking for a rock concert slash short-term rental uh, event, this is the one that you need to come to. It's the Short-Term Rental Wealth Conference February 5 to 8, um, 5th to the 8th of Feb next year, we are going to be holding an event like no other. Uh, it's going, and I say we, but it's the fact that I'm, yes, I will be on stage. James' <laughs> company will be sponsoring it. Um, but we're also going to be joined on stage by the likes of Damon Johns from Shark Tank. We are going to have some other famous speakers come on board as well that we're that I know that the organisers, Bill Faith and Mike Shrogan, are paying massive amounts of money for these speakers to come and join us and educate us. 
but it is like a rock concert. So the first night that you get there, Jamie Lane, you better have your dancing shoes on. Don't think that you just need to bring a pocket full of business cards and uh, that's going to be your typical conference. You know, you pick up some swag and off you go. It is about there'll be from the moment you land to the moment you leave, it is going to be an experience like no other and get very excited. You will not be sleeping, so don't worry too much about your accommodation. (laughs) You will not be sleeping. You will need hydrolytes or some sort of IV infusion after a few of the parties. But at the same time, you're going to learn some amazing things. And imagine, you know, a room full of about 3,000 people to 5,000 people in the audience. It's going to be like a Taylor Swift concert. Actually, maybe I should get up there and pretend to sing, but no, we won't be <laughs> But it's um, it is, it's one of my favourite conferences every year because of the energy level that is in the room. You make some incredible friends, and uh, but we have a good time doing it. So, well, yeah. I'm excited to make our our debut there uh, at the conference. Uh, I can't wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching your face halfway through to go. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, last question for you uh, before we get to sort of the end is: you've been in this for a while, and you've learned a lot. You're now coaching writing books. And I think you said you have a, a fourth book coming out soon. Yeah, we do. There's an, a, um, another hospitable host book, which will be launched in Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. And also that series has been picked up by a Netflix uh, producer as well. So we're looking at turning that into a TV show. But then on top of all that, I've launched a mastermind community as well, which is a platform for hosts right around the world uh, to come into as well as vendors and just it's a little bit like Slack on Crack meets the good old clubhouse days where there's conversations going on 24-7, which may be relevant. So, uh, but yeah, it's... I, um, yeah, I, th- I think you were answering my question before oh, I asked it. But, uh, <laughs> What's your question? I mean, what gets you excited today? Oh, I mean. there you go. That's <laughs> it. I, I think it's really, you know, yes, I'm not running properties like I used to anymore. I'm doing the one-on-one educating, but what really gets me excited is connecting people and providing maybe, well, like the mastermind community, providing a platform that I can introduce, you know, Jamie Lane to somebody in Ohio who's looking to get data, you know, like it's maybe it's just that connection and being able to um, just see other people succeed as well. And you know, it's the one industry in the world that I've ever seen where people lean in on each other and hosts genuinely collaborate and help each other out. And one of my top tips for hosts is to find other uh, short-term rental hosts in your area, in your town. Make sure that there's a meetup, a local meetup where you guys can get together and talk about strategies, how to educate your community, how to you know, positively impact others. And if there's not one, create one, you know, hold a, a little meetup. You're not in competition with the person next door that's running a short-term rental. You need to work together to pull the guests in, to make sure the community understands what you're up to so that the regulations can stay at bay. But it's, yeah. how lucky are we to be in this industry? Uh, I don't have a listing here in Atlanta anymore, but I still go to the Atlanta host meetups and they are the most fun things. I love them. Yeah. You're, you're like the, the gate crasher of the you know, the functions, right? So, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's awesome. And uh, look, if we can, if we can just help 
any of the new people that are coming into the industry just get that fast track their success man it's uh it's awesome so it's really good to watch yeah so i let our uh listeners know how they can find you how they can find your books yeah absolutely yeah. so all the books uh, um, i'm gonna give you a quick close-up shameless plugging million dollar host <laughs> hospitable hosts uh these are available on amazon uh that's okay. the easiest place however the Million Dollar Host book, I would like to say to any of your listeners right now, maybe the first five people that might reach out to me on social media, and I'm going to tell you which ones I'm on in a minute, to say that you've listened to Jamie and I on the STR Data Lab uh, podcast. Um, I'm going to give five of these away, the ebooks. So if you're listening in, you're interested in finding out The Million Dollar Host, and that's the story personally about what I went through to get to the point of 130 properties. Gives you the tips, the tricks, the softwares, the the information, the strategies that I use to do so because I want you to do it too. Get in touch with me, LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me under Julie George. Uh, Instagram, Million Dollar Host. If you put in Million Dollar Host, you'll find me on Instagram. Facebook, TikTok. I'm even on TikTok. I'm dancing. I'm cooking. <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, but I am on all social medias. But you can send me an, a message on any one of those that you see this this interview and yeah the first five we're going to give you a book and uh yeah but happy to happy to offer a free 15 minute zoom with people as well because i just think no matter where you are in the the world if you're just starting off it can be very lonely this business but if i can help you if i can jump on a call with you i would love to do so well julie this has been a pleasure thank you so much uh for being on for sharing your story I know I've learned a whole lot about you today. Oh, thank you, Jamie, for having me. Yeah. And I'll see you in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Party. Woo! <laughs>